coming up on the Middle Class VO Podcast. After doing the first three books with Scott, I said, you know, I don't think anyone has ever written a book with an audiobook narrator as the main character set in the framework of a psychological thriller. And I said, I think that I can make that work. If you need e-learning, we're just an email away. Corporate tell us what to say. Explain a video, image and radio. Slang a local car is reading. I'll be always nowhere. Ain't no stars. No, we're the middle class we all podcast. The middle class we Welcome to the Middle Class VO Podcast. It is a very exciting episode today and a unique episode today. It's Kevin Kilpatrick here and Bobby Maxwell in Cincinnati. It's unique because, well, first off, we haven't talked about audiobooks on the podcast in probably over a year, but it was the situation where an author reached out and said, hey, love to be on your podcast, and his book was about audiobook narrators. So we've got both of them. Landon Beach is the amazing author and just top-notch audiobook narrator Scott Brick joins us too. So two in one today. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us on, Kevin and Bobby. It's great to be here today. Absolutely. Now, the the burning question, the first burning, we're, we're talking with Landon Beach, and he is a novelist, author, and Scott Brick, the audiobook narrator that narrated uh, Landon's latest novel called Narrator. And it's a unique situation, and it's all about our lives. And, and Bobby and I just finished this book, and it is thrilling. It, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. But the first question I have for these gentlemen today is, what is Booth Dick? <laughs> It's a very serious condition, Kevin. You have no idea. You, you don't want to have, and uh, you need to get to a hospital right away. If you have any kind yeah. of anything that it's going you on. Sh- you should get down on your knees and thank God that you don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. secret. <laughs> oh, but Landon, if you would, give us a synopsis of Narrator, please. Sure. So the book starts off where you have a main character named Sean Frost, who is a performing arts prodigy, who is a two-time Tony Award-winning playwright and actor in his 20s in New York City. And as his height and fame uh, continue to grow, uh, so do his flaws. And after something goes wrong in in New York City, he travels cross-country to Carmel-by-the-Sea to reinvent himself as an audiobook narrator. And as he starts to grow a following and get uh, more um, more books um, that are getting a lot of attention, um, his fame starts to grow, but also his flaws start to come back. Until one day, um, he is possibly kidnapped by two obsessed fans that love his work and they have written a book and they want Sean to narrate it for them. And so I think I'll stop there uh, and then (laughs) things uh, take off from that point. Awesome. Uh, Scott, there are more twists and turns in this this book than a five-minute roller coaster ride. So (laughs) do you typically read the manuscript, especially on thrillers? Do you read it first? 
Um, I, I read the manuscript every time I can. Um, and that uh, sounds like I'm hedging my, my bets. I'm walking the fence here. Uh, there are times I don't have time to read them in advance. Uh, uh, I have a really great, just a top-notch research team who sometimes they have to read the book for me and give me like a uh, like an eight-page, very detailed um, synopsis, some uh, book report, essentially. It's a lot easier for me to, you know, I can spend an hour reading eight pages or I can spend 20 or 30 hours because I'm a very slow reader, um, you know, depending on the size of the book, reading something in advance. Uh, with this book, I uh, absolutely read it in advance because it was so personal. And I say personal, even though I didn't write it, you know, <laughs> um, uh, bless him. Landon always had me in mind for this. And we talked about it so many times that I thought the only way I could I can do this book justice is to to read it in advance, of course. Um, uh, but also because uh, Landon asked me to. He asked me for feedback. You know, were these details about the booth correct? Um, he he sent me an email. Uh, a week before the book came out, uh, we we did the audio and the and the print version at the same time at Copub, and um, and it was a week beforehand, and the book was already recorded and it was already written and and uh, obviously and um, he said, is it appropriate to say, would you ever, do you ever say in the booth, I hit the record button? He said, is that a thing? And I, and I and it really made me think. I went, it, it it kind of isn't because it's not hardware. I'm not hitting a button on a machine, right? Mm -hmm. It's software, and there is a button on. It's a macro, you know, that I've 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 programmed into my into uh, uh, in Pro Tools, the system I use. Um, but yeah, I hit the number three key in order to start recording, but I don't usually say uh, uh, I hit the record. key. I hit the record button. Landon gets back to me and he says, do you say I hit record? And I said, yes, all the time. So he made that adjustment. It was the tiniest little thing. Taking out two words, taking out the and button. I hit record. And yet the book is better because of it. Absolutely. Now, I could say, you know, Kevin and Bobby, um, you know, I think Hemingway said that, you know, writing is never done. It's just do. <laughs> And those are the things <laughs> that keep an author up at night. By this point, I've gone over it a million times. Scott and I have had conversations. We've had Zooms, just uh, an incredible experience that I don't know if I will ever have again to this level just because of the nature of the work. But And that's what happened. I'm reading it again saying maybe just one more time. And then that just pops up and you think you've got it. But I'm thinking do I have this right? And and Scott, you know, got right back to me and we were able to make those adjustments at the end, just, you know, to, to try to get it as close as possible uh, so that both the, you know, common audience uh, who does not work in the industry would enjoy it for the psychological thriller aspects and maybe learning a little bit about audiobook narration that they didn't know before, but also for professionals in the industry, uh, because I've said that it really ended up being a love letter um, from me um, to storytellers. And, you know, an Easter egg that we had too was 
I of course wanted to dedicate this to Scott just as, you know, the beautiful friend that he is to me and what he means to me and what he's meant to the industry. And I've been listening to him for years. And so I dedicated it to him. And of course, Scott was like, I can't read this, Landon. But he ended up uh, hiring, you know, his really close friend, Ray Porter, to help us out. And I thought that was just a neat thing uh, for him to do that in the author's note at the end. So there were all kind of circumstances that just came up because of this that we did not see and, and kind of went on the fly um, due to the nature of the work. It was That was actually a really, a really funny uh, 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 week <laughs> when that was all going on because he sends me this, he sends me the manuscript and I, of course, I see the dedication, which was lovely. Um, and, and then uh, at the end of the book, um, in the author's note, he talks about the process of, you know, going back and forth and doing the research and asking for my input. And um, he was just laudatory in, in both the beginning and the end of the book. And I said, Landa, I don't need any help to seem self-centered. <laughs> I really, I really cannot read these things myself. So, um, so I reached out to Ray and thankfully he's, he's one of my dearest friends um, uh, as well as the narrator of the audio book of the year uh, at the audio uh, audio awards last year. Um, <laughs> he said, he said, okay, I'll read this, which by the way, technically I have now paid a friend of mine to say nice things about me. <laughs> um, but the other thing uh, that cracked me up was he said, okay, I'll read this version but I'm going to record my version as well. And it was just so foul, so profane. <laughs> um, uh, it, you know, he's like, what can we say about, you know, Scott Brick other than, you know, he is an utter tool, but just between <laughs> you and me, he didn't use the word tool. He said a word you're really not supposed to use. Um, and this went on for like 90 seconds. I wound up sending it to Landon. Oh, and tears in my eyes. It was just oh my God, so, it was so but it, funny. I mean, it was poetic too. It was. Oh, yeah. 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 It, was, it was so literary. It just blew me away. Skip it about Papa. Oh, Landon, how did you, you know, clearly you have intimate knowledge of what goes on, and I know you consulted and everything, but where did the idea come from to write a psychological thriller about audiobook narrator? Well, I have wanted to tell a an entertainment comeback story or some kind of um, thriller suspense novel set in the entertainment industry for about 20 years, and I could never figure out how to do it. And what I mean by that is there has been so much done, um, whether it's authors in peril or a director or a disc jockey, anything like that. And so, especially in this day and age, you've got to give the audience something new, something that they haven't seen before, and yet hit certain story beats that make you feel that you're in familiar turf and territory so that you can enjoy it. And I just go back to growing up watching film after film and I studied film in college and got a degree in screenwriting so that's very much of a home for me as well as my love of books and literature and so I had four films that just stood out to me in terms of what kind of experience I wanted to provide for a reader or listener one day um, and it was Vertigo, 
play Misty for me, misery nice. and a beautiful mind. And then I had a short story that I used to teach actually uh, when I was a high school language arts teacher called The Continuity of Parks by Julio Cortazar. And imagine those five things kind of like ingredients in a soup that was in my mind for all those years. And then uh, finally it came to me one day after doing the first three books with Scott I said, you know, I don't think anyone has ever written a book with an audiobook narrator as the main character set in the framework of a psychological thriller. And I said, I think that I can make that work. And there were certain creative decisions that I had to make uh, in order to make that work, because we've all laughed before about this and some of our conversation before the Zoom, uh, and certainly Scott and I have, but your mere existence as an author and a narrator too. It's so damn lonely. (laughs) I'm in this office that I'm in right now, you know, 12, 13 hours a day writing, struggling, and there's no one around, but it's really difficult to make that dramatic. Like he picked up the pencil and he thought maybe he would write. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And so, and Scott, you know, was telling me about just, you know, the butt in the seat, you've got to put in the work and it's by yourself. And it's it's a lot that I learned too, um, researching for the book. And so getting inside a narrator's mind though, and using that became very attractive in order for the bones of the story to put it out. So that's, that's how it came about um, before I uh, approached Scott about uh, would he be interested in, in in going after this one with me? Well, the the writing was so accurate about our industry that Kevin and I actually we texted a couple times and we actually talked on the phone. We really thought it was Scott because we'd heard that Scott <laughs> was also writing, wanted to do wanted to write a book. So we thought maybe it was just an alias, and you 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 got us. <laughs> Well, it's like Kurt Vonnegut responded to a a fan letter of of criticism one time, and he said, I am Kurt Vonnegut. I am real. (laughs) 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 Although, you know, Scott has said for years about maybe a book about audiobook narrating, and I know he has a novel in there, too. And I'm like, man, I want to see those come out. (laughs) Absolutely. So one of the favorite parts of of the the book was to hear these names in the industry that we recognize, you know, and and Scott, didn't you actually say your own name at one point? Yeah, uh, I, actually, I think it happened. Well, I was referenced a couple of times. One, I, once I remember specifically by name um, at the beginning of the book, there's a scene at the Audio Awards where Sean Frost, mm-hmm. the character I'm playing, he walks past a table and uh, sitting at the table are me, <laughs> my <laughs> girlfriend, Susanna Lee Freeman, um, uh, uh, Pat Fraley, one of my dearest friends I've ever had, uh, Ray Porter, and Simon Vance. Uh, these are this. This is my social life, basically. These five <laughs> pe- four people, other than me, and I'm and I'm reading this, going, you know. And I think the way it's written, he only uses the uh, uh, the last names. I walk by Brick, Freeman, Porter, Vance, and, and Fraley. And I'm like, that is my life. That is my life in, in one sentence. And it was 
It was awesome. Oh, you even hit the uh, some of the industry things like uh, the what is it? The voiceover body shop or whatever was it? It's called yes, voiceover. the voiceover uh, body shop, VOBS. Yeah, um, Chuck and Stacy were mentioned. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and I, I, and uh, again, it was you know, Landon was was very. Um, I guess the best word would be respectful. He just he just wanted to get things right. And and he's like, okay, if I mention this, is that something that people in the industry usually talk about? If I mention that person, is that the appropriate person to talk about? At one point, he mentions some some famous um, directors, and I I I've worked with pretty much every famous director in the industry, so I'm like, well, yeah, you can use that person, or you can use this person because they actually won a Grammy for directing an audiobook, and <laughs> and bless his heart he made those changes you know it was uh th there's a there's a wonderful word that i like to throw around because you know what you know hey <laughs> i read books <laughs> <laughs> it's but it's the word verisimilitude and uh uh you know landon really wanted that for this title and he achieved it yeah the details are amazing and it rings true with we voice actors that's get worthy we are talking right now with Landon Beach, author of the psychological thriller Narrator, and we have Scott Brick, the narrator of the book Narrator, on with us. And Scott, we're going to get you on a cold read challenge coming up in just a few minutes. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of the features we do here on the podcast, and we have so much fun. So I, I've set you up for success. So uh, just get ready for it in just a few minutes. But Landon, I want to go back to you and ask, how much input does a, a writer have on selecting a narrator? And, and two-part question. When you write, do you write with a consideration of it, it will be narrated, or do you just do it in a vacuum? Two-part question. So the answer to the first part is sometimes a an author will be able to have some input into who um, they're going to have to be their narrator. Um, as an independently published author and an owner of my own business, Land and Beach Books, LLC, um, I have to reach out to professionals to see if they are interested in working with me. For instance, I, I don't have a publicist who would naturally have reached out to both of you um, months ago and said, hey, there's a book about an audiobook narrator. Would you like to have this guy? And I've got to do all of that on my own just mm -hmm. to get word, word out about the book. Um, and I'm very grateful for the two of you hosting us today. This is really nice of you. Absolutely. But I have other friends who are traditionally published. And again, if you are at the apex of that profession, like Jack Carr, Brad Thor, John Grisham, Catherine Coulter, and the list goes on, of course, they choose who the narrator is and that's set kind of in stone. And then there are others that say, you know, Landon, I don't have any options at all. It's basically what my agent and publisher uh, come up with. A couple of them were able to provide uh, a dream list, but then they have to have an intermediary reach out and say, are you available to do this? Do you do these types of books? Is it in the right genre, the right wheelhouse? And on and on and on. So um, there's no definite answer. What I can say is that when I reached out to Gina Smith, who is Scott's incredible business manager, in the summer of 2019, uh, I was fortunate enough to have her show Scott my first book 
and he read it and liked it enough to take a chance on me. And it's just been a, a life-changing partnership since then, um, since that, that book came out. And it led to what narrator is. You know, narrator does not exist if he doesn't say yes to that three years ago. So um, that's something that uh, means a lot to me. In terms of do I write with narration in mind, the first three books... I did not. I was very much in the mindset of I'm just writing a book like I normally would. I'm not thinking about this being narrated or anything because I didn't know a lot about the industry. I knew I loved audiobooks and I've been a fan of Scott's for decades, but I didn't know anything about it. And so I was very much of the old school when I used my dialogue tags. Here's an example of he said or she said. And I like to do that because it really makes the writing better for the dialogue because what's ever in between the quotation marks has to do the work. And I think that uh, your writing is strengthened by it. But one thing that I didn't realize was that sometimes when I had some dialogue exchanges, because it's in the reader's head and the reader skips over those anyways, but when they're said, it was he said, she said, he said, she said, he said, he said, she said. And I think that it does interrupt the listen a little well. No matter how amazing Scott is or any other narrators as throwing those away because they know that the reader skips them when they read them anyways. And so after that, and I heard my work for the first time read by Scott, I consciously put in an extra edit to my work, which is I will read the book <laughs> horribly <laughs> out to myself. <laughs> Um, when I'm going over it, and I will make sure that it is a nice, smooth listen for the reader. And I will, and it, it has made me a better writer because it's helped me hone the point of view character better in those scenes. And I've been able to look at it and say, do I really need that tag? Have I established who's speaking well enough? So that is something I did not anticipate. And it's been a, a blessing to my work and my craft. And uh, I still make mistakes, but just try to get better at it every single book. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was unexpected uh, that that happened. Well, that being said, um, let's talk dollars. <laughs> because in the, as in the dialogue and narrator, um, Sean Frost, of course, was being casted for it, for the uh, book. And Scott, did the top? Not narrators. Is that true to life? Are there mega contracts? Are there percentages? Just curious. Why, of course, that's true. Every word in the book. <laughs> Can we see your check stubs? <laughs> My gosh, it was like Orson Welles just answered that, <laughs> right? I know. Right, yes. <laughs> I uh, uh, brief digression. Years ago, I was uh, uh, I was being interviewed by the wall street journal and uh they printed how much money i make every year Ooh. and it was not true they wildly inflated the number and um i got a phone call later that day from a publisher saying hey we'd love you to work for us and they offered me a rate that was significantly lower than i usually <laughs> make and i and i literally said don't you read the papers? Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I pretended, I pretended as though that number were true, and it became true the following year. So, um, yes, I'm a, I'm a big fan of saying, you know, yeah, fake it till you make it, uh, um, make it so. Um, but uh, no, there there are numbers bandied about in the book, and uh, and and I reached out uh, uh, to Landon, but as he 
so rightfully stated, he goes, uh, this is where, you know, we have to make it, um, you know, this is where the storytelling comes in. Mm. Uh, people, people will, it will matter more if the number is higher. So, um, I just said, okay, great. And I'm waiting for that number to come true. <laughs> <laughs> so you had to Hollywood it up, huh? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, Scott, do you have uh, access to your email as you're sitting here on the Zoom? Oh, God. I think I know it's coming. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I have got my email open, my browser open in front of me. Okay, I'm getting ready to hit send. Um, we're getting ready to get Scott on a cold read challenge. And uh, it, it, Scott, if you haven't heard any of our cold read challenges, it's basically what it sounds like. I send you a script and you basically bust open the email and then you start reading. Now, this particular writing... Oh, yeah, should be done in the style of Sean Frost, if you don't mind. I just hit send on that email, so whenever you receive it, uh, if you would, just open it up and dive in. Okay, here we go. Cold Read Challenge. Deadlines. Written by Max Van Landingham. Read by Sean Frost. I was livid. It was a story too far-fetched to be believed, he said. Head publisher of Platypus Publishing. (laughs) (laughs) Sebastian Q. Mandrake admonished me for missing my October 20th deadline by two days. It was the final narration in the Brad Laramie Western trilogy, Cowboy Up, Brad Laramie's final ride. I lose my train of thought as I consider what the Q may stand for. Quinn, perhaps? Maybe another one of the many names that begin with a Q. I can only think of Quinn. Now, in my many successful years as an orator of stories, <laughs> sorry, um, <laughs> I've certainly dealt with my fair share of deadline challenges. There was the harrowing Chupacabra incident of 2009. <laughs> of course, no one trusts my account of the events that transpired in June of that year. I don't deadlines of my own accord and i had been attacked by a goat sucker in my booth (laughs) the calamity and chaos caused by el chupacabra in aught nine cannot be dismissed so cavalierly as i recount deadlines i've missed i'm reminded of the tragic bass fishing accident in 2004 Previous to my booth run-in with the goat sucker, I was slow-rolling buzz baits with Kenny Rogers on Old Hickory Lake. Yes, that Kenny Rogers, R.I.P. gambler. You see, Old Hickory is a flotsam-riddled lake eight miles east of Nashville as the crow flies. The debris, muck, and mire provide favorable coverage for lunker bass, but also coverage for lake monsters. Suffice to say... That was another missed deadline that was unavoidable. Finally, now, present day, I have missed another deadline because of no fault of my own. And no one, not even my faithful golden retriever companion, Michael, believes me this time. The reason? Booth Dick. Gosh. I can't believe you did that to me. I thought we were friends. <laughs> were we not hanging out just a few weeks ago in Switzerland? Were we not? We were. Just, we were. <sighs> it just, you know. Was it too much? 
chatting amiably, you know, sharing meals, and now you you go and throw El Chupacabra and Booth Dick at me. And how about poor Michael, our golden yeah. retriever? Hey, Michael, I want a Michael. Oh my gosh, Landon! Real quick question: Are you looking at a series for this by chance? Well, without giving too much away, uh, we'll have to see how Sean does uh, in this book, uh, if uh, if and when people check it out and read. But something in this universe, um, I think I would be open to again, um, and I have some ideas uh, about that. Um, you never know. Cool. There's a, a really great thing uh, for those of you out there who have not read all of his books, listened to all of Landon's books. Um, he sets them in a loosely connected universe, you know. Uh, mm. Anybody who's read or listened to the uh, uh, the Great Lakes saga, um, you'll hear some familiar voices and names. Um, and uh, uh, Clive Cussler has always done the same thing. And uh, uh, a number of authors uh, actually have. There's even, uh, um, um, you know, like in the Bourne series, uh, um, it's, uh, I, I call it the beach verse, right? It's the beach universe and uh, it's, it's really cool. So I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, plug, plug, shameless plug that when uh, <laughs> Landon gets back to writing uh, the fifth volume of the, uh, the Great Lakes saga that, you know, somebody's listening to an audiobook by Sean Frost. You never know. Absolutely. What a great book. Landon, thanks for coming on today. And Scott, thank you. Landon, where can uh, people download or listen to Narrator? Yeah, so an easy way is to go to my website, landonbeachbooks.com, and I have links for all of my books. Um, But in terms of the three versions, the Kindle version is exclusively on Amazon, and the paperback is Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, a variety of stores. But the audiobook is wide, so anywhere where audiobooks are sold, you can have Narrator and my other books, all six of them performed by Scott, uh, in 30 seconds. Well, we hope you uh, submitted for Audis or are going to. I don't know what the deadline is. And good luck, because this is a great, great thriller. Thank you. I I did uh, submit it uh, for two Audis for Scott, and I'm excited about it. And what I hope for, what any author hopes for, is just that it'll be given a, a fair shot against all the other traditionally published novels as well. And as long as it's given a fair shot, um, I know what the book meant Um for Scott and, and myself. And it was never about awards. It was about the relationship we had and a product that we wanted to put out, uh, at, which I, I couldn't be happier with. But it would be neat to to, to see that recognition because I, I just, I, I couldn't believe Scott's performance. Do you guys have anything entered at uh, Silvis? Not at the moment. No. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think they've announced the... Um, um, they started to yesterday. Oh, did they? Yeah, and then it was pu- it was pulled back. I think it was somehow it got released early. Uh, well, they also, uh, you know, the Audis uh, tends to make announcements, you know, a day at a time. Here's some of the nominations. Here's more of the nominations. Uh, here's more. Uh, so was maybe doing that. Uh, I know that, that um, um, uh, one of the publishers I work with, uh, we did the um, the Philip Marlowe series by Raymond Chandler 
and uh, I know that's been submitted. So fingers crossed it winds up getting nominated. We'll see. Cool. Thanks, That's guys. That's what we're hoping for, too. And uh, this Silvis Win award-winning podcast will conclude at this moment. And uh, maybe we'll see you guys in uh, L.A. in uh, December, Scott. I look forward to it. That'd be great. Thank you Excellent. so much for having us on, Kevin and Bobby. It's just been wonderful to meet you and a pleasure talking with you yeah. today. You as well. Thank it's you. Absolutely. Thank you. To- to all of our listeners, go get Narrator, th- the thriller. It is amazing. It is a psychological thrill ride that you will not be able to stop listening to. It's amazing. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Bye, friends. Let us see both. Guys. Take care. Oh, well, the middle class VO podcast. Middle class.